0: another page of De Cossades, The Sacrament of the Present Moment. Are we ready to read?
1: I would much appreciate, hello? Hello. I would much appreciate, if you, if you could read it, because, um, you have this voice which, uh, gets to the essence of, of the text, of, of the wisdom. You're also a native English speaker.
0: Thank you. Um, well, I'm before I start, I'm, I I want to just connect very briefly with the page uh, from yesterday, and one of the things that I thought about from yesterday to today, was, I haven't offended you, have I? Not yet,
1: because uh, you said thank you. I thought that's something wrong that I said, but I didn't no, mean no, any no. negative connotation, just only no, positive. No, no, you
0: have. There's plenty of time to offend me.
1: Thank you. Just <laughs> I just always say thank you.
0: Yes, thank, thank you, thank you for thanking me for thanking you. Um, so we thinking...
1: I'd like to symbolize as being friends, and when you say thank you, I tried to make a joke, and maybe it wasn't funny, and you said thank you. I thought, damn, I did, this, did I say something wrong? But then <laughs> no, said, no, no, oh, no, it's okay. No, just uh, that's a usual thing, okay. Yeah,
0: no, just, just to, just to usual wrong stuff. Um, <laughs> nothing. Nothing new. No, I was thinking about from yesterday, to today, and how we, how I or we could bring this into our real physical lives, you know, so that we have the weekend come coming up, it's right, saying, like, I have my ideas in my head of what I want to do, like, I need to go over to this restaurant, I need to go pay the play, uh, okay, somebody's going to do parlay house, which is betting on sports events illegal betting, I want to go over to hear this musician play, but those are my ideas that are in my mind. But what Descossades suggests is that we should run our ideas and our decisions by God. So I would simply say this prayer.
1: Would you make your bet if I asked you to?
0: To read the chapter? Let me finish this one sentence. Okay, okay. (laughs) Illegal
1: betting, it caught my attention. Sorry, go on.
0: Okay, well, do you want to play some bit? You like illegal illegal betting? Boxing?
1: Uh Oh.
0: Okay, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. The prayer is, the prayer is, Lord, it's Friday. What do you will for me to do? What is your will for me to do? So I have my ideas And you have your ideas of what you might do tonight or tomorrow or the next day But if we were going to apply the wisdom of this book We might ask that So now you have a new idea Do you think that that's God's will to get into some illegal betting? Um.
1: No, that would be (laughs) devil's whispering into my ears, uh, uh, into my ears, I absolutely... Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely sure of that. That wouldn't be God. that would be devil's whispering into my ears, but that, then again, it's... Uh, uh, it's... you wouldn't go... On, I wouldn't want to go deep on that, so...
0: Let's just pause there and read the... Read the... Did you want to ask another mm-hmm. question?
1: Sure, the illegal then. Okay. We'll talk that, discuss that later.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, so the ending of page 43 was, excuse me, the ending for yesterday was, what he ordains for us each moment is what is most holy. Now we go to page 43. <clears throat> All we need to know is how to recognize his will in the present moment. Grace is the will of God and his order acting, acting, in the center of our hearts when we read or are occupied in other ways. Theories and studies without regard for the refreshing virtue of God's order are merely dead letters. Emptying the heart by filling the mind. I really want to stop and discuss that part.
1: Okay. I actually make a few notes while you read that like it, like real students like you would be a professor and I would be a student and while you were reading I made a few notes and uh, but I didn't expect that you'd like to stop and discuss that I'm not, i feel, okay
0: and I would like to, I've also got my pen out I, I I I I've been a student and a teacher like my whole life and I was just noticing how lately Myself and a few other people have used the word empty. I feel so exhausted. I feel so empty. I feel so depleted.
1: Oh, I hear you. Because yesterday, I felt empty.
0: Yeah, and what DeClosade is saying is that... ...our God is a God of order... ...and that if we do something... ...that is not ordered by God for our grace and salvation... It's even if we read books about how to be saved, even if we read, you know a novel about somebody that was saved or a poem, unless it is God's appointed time for us to read that, it could just be like a dead letter and it would would not reach your heart, but it would just like fill your fill your mind. And I just know that I have so much stuff in my mind. One of the reasons I like to go have a couple drinks or go dancing or just go rage around is just to unload my mind with all the stuff that's in it.
1: Can I, can I say something? Cause I'm sure, to...
0: yes, jump in.
1: Yeah, you said gods of order, and I thought by gods of order, you probably meant like opposite of chaos, because there is a gods of order and the gods of chaos. But by order, mm-hmm. I mean being an accountant, I love to say that everything like in our world is subject to balance. For for instance, if the Earth gets to the Sun a little bit closer or a little bit from farther away, the life ceases to exist. Same with your body temperature: a little bit higher or cooler, you're sick. You cannot function. And so, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like two opposing forces, and when they work toward each other, there is balance. And definitely, that's what I call, can can call God. How do you? Well, what, yeah. what are your? How does that make you feel?
0: Uh, that, that makes me... St- I'm starting to feel better. Uh, right. Also, if you think so about... I could, okay, well, next go time. Go on. no keep no, no, go going. I mean, No. I about this.
1: listen to you, your turn.
0: Okay, so the Tao, T-A-O, the Tao, Tao De Ching, Taoism, the symbol is the yin and the yang, but it's not either or, it's both. So they're swirling around together and even if you look at the world of fashion, an and- androgynous look has been popular for a while. Like, it's not very masculine. It's not very feminine. You know, there could be a guy that would wear a a pale blue shirt or a pale lavender shirt or a, a pocket kerchief that has, like, a little purple and pink pattern on it or, like, linen pants, like it's not strictly male, it's not strictly female. Like a lot of women wear uh, like jackets or they'll wear loose pants. So I'm just thinking of androgynous dressing is also kind of part of uh, some kind of balance, you know? And, like, and also, I don't know if they have this where you live, but when, when men grow their hair a little bit long and pull it up on the back of their head and make a knot, it's called a man bun, B-U-N. That mm-hmm. look is like everywhere. Like, like it used to be a style that women, where they would pull their hair up kind of loosely and kind of tie it into like maybe a ponytail or wrap the ponytail around there and be like a bun. But now a very, very popular look in the fashion magazines and like all over Dallas is the man bun. Are, are, have you ever? Are, do they have any man buns? In,
1: <laughs> in, <laughs> in Russia, no, no. But but that's. Uh, I think that uh, maybe it's not. Uh, maybe the time hasn't come yet. Maybe we will have. Uh, we'll start wearing buns.
0: Well, right? you know, if you, if you think about the whole idea of chaos, a very um, manicured fingernails, manicured hair, a very clean look, is very ordered. But let's say you go out into the woods for a camping trip for three or four days. You know, and you, your fingernails are not so clean and you're digging around the garden and you sit by the fire and smoke a cigarette. And when you come back to the city, like a lot of, a lot of guys and girls go on like camping, camping trips and go bicycling and hiking. So when they come back to their city life, they're a little bit dirty, a little bit wild. How does that make you feel?
1: I I remember that when pandemic happened, everyone was chasing after the toilet paper. pardon <laughs> my French. And 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 I thought, what? Uh, I mean, what what the what? um How would I say that? Because I I'm not going to swear on, on air. But uh, I thought, what's about the toilet paper? Why? Apparently, I thought that apparently because when I was in the army, I, I've been uh, around. I've been around the block. Yeah, and the toilet yeah. paper wasn't talking about anyway. I concluded that that somehow helps you to preserve your human dignity because if you have this toilet paper and stuff like for the human elementary hygiene, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you preserve the human dignity. And when you somehow found you find yourself in the forest or in, in the desert, however far away from civilization, that helps you to stay human because otherwise. Speaking of Charles Darwin theory of evolution, that's what confuses me, because human become animal like uh, m- monkey. I yeah, don't we know, came, chimpanzee, yeah, we I, came from yeah, really we came fast. from a
0: yeah, yeah, and also but naturally.
1: Our, our, and then the the reverse process is like uh, painful and harmful. The the, the monkey the, cannot become human, uh, uh, well, not, in my point like, of
0: view. You know, if we go to the zoo, and we're walking around eating an ice cream or something. Like that afternoon, the monkey's not going to become a human. But in the course of evolution, um, you know, happened. Um, Also, back to toilet paper, I know that in Dallas, uh, baby diapers, toilet paper, and the liquor store, people wanted to be supplied with cases and cases and cases of beer, vodka, whiskey. Uh, I mean, th- these. You know, if you just expose your the, to these groceries- things, wouldn't
1: help you to stay human. Beer, but which vodka? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, spirits. They would have um, somehow make you feel that uh, everything is in order, but that. That would be a fake feeling, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. And also, there was a lot of divorces and breakups and and separations that happened with relationships, especially, you know, if you are not leaving your apartment and you you're working from home and you you're drinking, and you know, your wife's not even putting her makeup on. and You're wearing the same T-shirt that you wore the other, you know, the day before because you don't have to get dressed up to go to the office. It's Very interesting during the pandemic. The different stories I heard from real people, not on not online, just real people about like someone was going crazy because they said they just they were so upset because they couldn't go to their barber and they just felt like fine oh, if they couldn't go to the barber shop or get their nails done or not. Someone else was telling me that their husband was making them furious by wearing the same yellow T-shirt that he had worn the day before.
1: Hmm. Because demons are everywhere, trust me. That's why we have to pray daily, even if you're an atheist. Yes. I.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, I have a note which, uh, when you read the first paragraph, when you said let's discuss this, and then I'd like to go back to it. And uh, the the one you said, the theories and studies empty your heart. That somehow spoke to me, because the more I learn, the less I know.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. The more I learn, the less I know. Yes.
1: But then again, that doesn't mean I have to stop to learn.
0: No, I mean, learning is good. You know, I don't think Deco Sade is saying that learning is bad. I'm saying, for example, well, let me finish this phone call. I'm going to turn on the television. Maybe I'm going to go check my mailbox, or maybe I'm going to go up to the grocery store. We're going to do things in the physical world, but, you know, maybe you're feeling like, well, maybe tonight instead of watching TV, I'll just sit with my, my notes and just kind of like just look at my notes for a few minutes. Like like uh, trying to figure out what is God's will for Friday night. It's Friday, isn't it? Yeah, we're still on it Friday. Is. Oh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, I know that... Uh, you know, I've read a lot. And another thing that's puzzling to me is like, we've talked about Alan Watts before, and we've talked about Carl Jung and about Freud and about Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. Even though we've read some of these classics, and we have some of our favorite passages or ideas, you know, you come back to them three or four years later, and you think like, well, I wonder why I didn't read that part, or I wonder why I didn't understand that, or you told me you've, you picked up a book and and you thought you should read it, get it back into your library, and then you came across it two years later. It's like, maybe it was like Mark Twain or Hemingway or something, and you, thought, you were just like so surprised at how it was really speaking to you in that moment.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe it's a God's will that you didn't recognize it first. By the way, the paragraph you read, uh, it, had a, it had a line. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember the words, recognize his will. And I thought, how to... How to how to know what is God's will and what is not? Yeah, well... Is there any simple way of how to know God's will? What do you think?
0: Okay, well, the process is called discernment. And the classic <clears throat> text on discernment is Saint Ignatius of Loyola the, on the discernment of spirits, and also Saint John of the Cross. So the basic idea of discernment or deciding is this thing person book activity is it coming from God? If it's is it coming from the world or is it coming from the devil? So if it's coming from God, this person or book or idea, if something is coming from God, there will be it will be orderly, it will have some peace about around it. If it's coming from the devil then you'll be like overly excited or like you you you're feeling really wound up or you feel like gosh i need to go like to this parlay house and make some money oh let me you know buy this on the way or like wow look at that girl like uh when stuff comes from the devil it's always animated and like overly charged and kind of chaotic so you ask is something come from god the world or the devil so if i say man, I need to go get some gasoline in my car because it's empty. Well, that's coming from the world because like, if I want to go anywhere, I gas in my car. Not that I'm any good at this, but I've read books on <laughs> how to do it. So to know God's will, you have to stop and discern where is this idea coming from? Is it coming from God, the world, or the devil? And then you just make your decision in that moment. And then you go another 15 minutes and you think like, I think I'm going to go eat ice cream. You get up from your chair, you go to the kitchen and you think, is this coming from God, the world or the devil? You think, I like ice cream. It's just a worldly pleasure. Now, you don't want to go overboard with every single moment like (laughs) it's time to go to sleep. Is this coming from God, the world or the devil? Or like you're going to take a shower. Is this coming from yeah. God, the world, or the devil?
1: Absolutely. If if you are unsure of what it's coming from, maybe you you call your friend or anyway you can find advice. So seek counsel from like the person you consider to be good.
0: Yeah, and if it's a if it's a reliable friend, like you know, if somebody invited me over to a swimming pool party and there's going to be like tons of liquor there, and it's like you know, 110 degrees, and everybody's already drunk. And they say, like, we're cooking out steaks. Well, the attraction of going to eat a steak is nice, but do I really want to be around a whole bunch of strangers and everybody's already been drinking and they're in the sun and somebody dropped a glass bottle and I'm going to step on a piece of glass just to eat a steak? No, I'm not going. Would you go?
1: I honestly wouldn't know.
0: It's a swimming pool party, a whole bunch of people are there. There's lots of drinks. It's warm. The swimming pool will be fun to jump into.
1: Honestly wouldn't know.
0: Well, I think you want Yeah, I mean I just now want to say something like wind out, don't go out. Like I've also heard that from a spiritual director it's always better to err on the side of less rather than on the side of more. Yeah.
1: Well, there like, is another saying that it's better to have and lost uh, than not have and regret or something like that. I don't remember it's the It's about exact.
0: love, yeah. Never. It's better yeah, to it's have loved love. mm-hmm. and lost mm-hmm. and rather than never have loved at all. But no exactly. one's going to love anybody. That
1: contradicts to what your spiritual director said to you.
0: No, no, no. This swimming pool party, it's not about love. It's about getting drunk and like, you know, drowning each other in the swimming pool. No, okay. no, no. So, she she no, was just saying... No, no, I saying, understand. Like, if... mm-hmm. I mean, the idea, like love is a general concept, but um, for example, I'm not really sure how to interact with somebody who's coming, who has been out of out of the state for politics and stuff should I call this person right away you know they've, they've been gone like should I try to get together right away like should I call them first the spiritual director would say it's better just don't make the call let the person call you because you're really not sure what you want to do so it's, it's more like that not not in terms of love you know if someone thinks that they love you and they want to continue a relationship you shouldn't just say oh I don't know how I feel so I'm deleting your phone number no I mean yeah, you know, what she meant was like, you know, it's, it's good to be a little bit cautious. Don't yes. rush into things. But like, I'm very I headstrong see. and bullheaded. No, i I
1: know. I hear you. I hear you. Can you read the next paragraph? Because okay. we just discussed the one you, you wanted to.
0: Yeah, so let's see. Um, okay. This divine will flowing through the soul of a simple uneducated person, through her suffering or some exceptionally noble act in adversity, carries out in her heart God's mysterious purpose without the thought entering her head. In contrast, the sophisticated man who studies spiritual books out of mere curiosity, whose reading is not inspired by God, but takes into his mind only dead letters and grows even more and more arid and obtuse. God's order or his divine will is the life of all souls who seek or obey it. So even if you can't find it, at least if you're seeking, De would say, good job, you're at least trying. In whatever way this divine, in whatever way this divine will may be, may benefit the mind, it is blessed results are not produced by any particular circumstance, but, but but by what God ordains for the present moment. What was best a moment ago is no longer best because it's removed from God's will, which has passed on to be changed to. Form the next duty in the next moment it is our duty whatever it may be it is that duty whatever it may be that is now most sanctifying for the soul
1: I'm thinking if um, I qualify for a sophisticated man who studies spiritual books out of mere curiosity because I found some I find some of the books very interesting, but I'm not sure if I read them out of curiosity or or my reading is inspired by God.
0: Yeah, no, I was gonna say that, but I have thought like you said, I mean, I'm not the same way. I'm a, I'm a f- sophisticated woman who's like really curious about a lot of things. And sometimes it's okay to read a book because you're curious, but like, if you're not getting anything out of it, why I keep doing it. The, the uh, ending of page 43 starts a new section that's talking about establishing Jesus in our heart. If the divine will ordains that reading is the duty of the present moment, then reading achieves this mysterious purpose. If the divine will abandons reading for an act of contemplation, then that duty will bring a change of heart and then reading will be harmful and useless. If the divine will reject contemplation and like, it will establish Jesus in our heart with all the sweetness of contemplation would only prevent. So he's talking about sometimes we God asks us to read something. Sometimes he asks us to contemplate his being, and sometimes he asks us to encounter our sinfulness, which would be confession. But those are three different ways of, you know, figuring out the mystery of what's going on. When the was the mystery? Of,
1: Do you remember uh, how, what, what year it is?
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, De Cossard was born in Toulouse, France. He was ordained a Jesuit in 1708. He was a spiritual director at a retreat house in Nancy, France. 1731, this is when he gave this the notes for translation I'm reading is from his notes, 1731. 18th century, that's the age of reason. 18th century is the age of the Enlightenment, Locke, John Locke, you know, Diderot. You know, Diderot uh, created the first encyclopedia. John Locke was the you know, precursor of the American, probably the French Re- Revolution. So in the age of enlightenment, which held reason up as the highest good, that our mind was going to show us the way, Closade is saying, nothing wrong with reason but let's let's um let's see what God wants us to do yeah it's amazing to me this was written in he didn't write it as a book he wrote what he believed was a retreat for some nuns that had come on retreat so he wrote this specifically these notes so I suppose it was you know I don't know maybe it was like a ten day retreat and every day he would like get to get his lecture, like just like I'm reading. I mean, his little sermon. He would be reading. I mean, he'd be like preaching or whatever. Yeah, 1731. That's that's 18th century.
1: You also sent me this kind of page 44. Would you like to go over it?
0: Yeah, I just want to finish this. Up. It's just the establishing Jesus in our heart. The mysterious, gr- mysterious growth of Jesus in our heart is the accomplishment of God's purpose. The fruit of his grace... Now we flip to the next page, and divine will. So now we've got the image of fruit. This fruit has been pointed out, forms, grows, and ripens in the succession of our duties to the present, which we are continually being replenished by God, so that by obeying them is always the best we can do. We must not offer resistance but abandon ourselves to his divine will in perfect trust. So that's where the title of the book came from. The the translation I have is called The Sacrament of the Present Moment. Another translation I have is called The Abandonment to God's Will. The divine will is infinitely wise, powerful, benevolent towards souls who totally and unreservedly put their trust in it and who love and seek it and who believe with an unshakable faith and confidence that what the divine will ordains each moment is best, who look no further afield for vain comparisons with any material benefit benefits God's order may bring. So we can just you know end end it with that paragraph.
1: I, I like the worst one, we must often resist. somehow that's not what like, we you do, know, as humans we offer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it, like oh, offering no oh. resistance is like if a mother tells the little boy, Okay, here's your medicine. You know, you have a bad cough, here's your medicine. The little child doesn't like read the medicine bottle, doesn't like challenge the credentials of the doctor. A little eight-year-old boy just trusts his mom and takes his medicine, he's gonna get better. Or, you know. If someone says, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like, it's going to hurt you. Don't, you know, don't ride your bicycle on that rocky road. You know, the little boy might ride the bicycle. He might not. But basically, he trusts his dad and he doesn't ride the bicycle. So offering no resistance goes along with the word trust. If we believe that God's will is good, then we should probably trust that he he knows what he's doing. (laughs) Right? right cuz we sure it, i sure don't know these apps
1: so it sounds like
0: the it's, it's right? clicking off it's what say that last sentence again it kind of clicked off
1: oh uh, no i said that this episode sounds like a sermon
0: yes and i and i was explaining to you that uh he actually gave these, we're reading it as a book. So I'm sitting in my chair reading it out loud and I've got my pencil and you're sitting in a chair taking a few notes as if I'm like a, maybe a teacher and you're like a student. But de Cossade was giving thoughts about how to live a holy life and to find more peace and joy in your life because these... Women that had come on the retreat, but he was—he was the retreat master, and many different people came: individuals, priests, married couples, you know, uh, teachers. So, I'm um, a retreat that he gave on what he probably figured out. God wanted these people to maybe hear. I, so he didn't sit down with. This. Yeah, me too. As I'm reading this, I keep thinking, like, like they say, holy cow, or holy moly, like, wow. Like, could it be this easy? Could it be this difficult? Like, it's both easy and difficult. Because really, I want to do this, but there's part of me that's like, nah, I don't want to do this.
1: Do you think that... um... It can be considered a self-help book. Uh,
0: I have actually... It was in a bookstore at a retreat center where lots of people come in Houston. Uh, I also suggested in Dallas that we read this as our next reading book. And the person that was in charge of that prayer reading book said "That's, that's too sophisticated for our group. So I deferred to her authority. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, self-help, the general category. Like if you go to the bookstore under self-help, it's going to be like, you know, how to find a mate, you know, like how to lose weight, like, you know, what to do with balding, you know, uh, what should you do to dress according to your skin tone, like, Self-help is, is, I kind of think of it as more practical. This book would never be filed under self-help. It would be filed under mystical classics. But it is, help, it is self-help. Like, we are helping ourselves and each other by reading this.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you... self-help books can be about how to fight boldness. I feel that like I'm looking for the next place in my life. And I'm looking for a self-help book, which is supposed to be a a help in my search for what I want to do next. Um, um, So, uh, I don't know, when I'm looking for for something to make myself feel better spiritually. And in that case, I I would probably go after it. Mind you, you don't just go through this phase one, because there are many.
0: Well, you know, there's lots and lots of books on like improving communication with your children or like what to do now that you're divorced. Like, you know, how to start dating, you know, at 50 or, you know, what should you do if you think you're gay? You know, like there's a lot of different, very timely and good books that are out there. Do do you know any
1: self-help book that actually helped? Yeah. Which one? Planned.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, what have I found helpful? I have found some of the books by Thich Nhat Hanh helpful. I've found some of the writings of Alan Watts helpful. I've found some of the writings of Carl Jung helpful. I find the archetypes and the Greek myths helpful, but I usually talk about those with the person. So I would go in and talk to Father Don, or I would go in and talk with a friend who's also reading these things. So, What's what's amazing to me is that I've read this book before and, like, how did I forget the wisdom that was in it? That's what I'm worried about. Like, how do I forget? Like, I mean, you've read Alan Watts. like.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel stupid next to you because I, I didn't understand a lot from them, but it cheered me up enormously. The self book that actually helped was something that the art of seduction or stuff. When I was young and I... Oh. I was, you know, but now, no, no, I wouldn't even just get close to it. Um,
0: No, no the thing is, is that, you know, what I like about what I just read was that DeCossade says those who are both doing God's will and those who are seeking to do his will. So that gives me hope because I don't understand it all, and I don't understand what I'm doing, but I desire to to be more holy. I desire to be more peaceful. I desire to be a better mom. I desire to be a better friend. Like, the desire is there, and I think God honors the desires of our heart. Someone, someone, some wise person told me that. Like, you you know, I mean, like, the fact that you are desiring to lead a more meaningful or more peaceful or more moneyed or whatever it is you want in this next phase of your life oh well i i think you should get you should give yourself credit for that i'm I'm not joking the, the fact it's that you desire blindly live the next 10 years
1: yeah sorry the line Dropped, I guess, for a second. But anyway, if you can hear me, uh, I'd like to continue. I, uh you ever heard of the name, Jordan Peterson?
0: Is he like a friend of uh, Elon no, Musk? No, he's Canadian. <laughs> yes. But go ahead. Tell us about it. Tell us about it.
1: No, apparently he has this book that everyone appreciates. It's called 12 Rules for Life. 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. I tried to read it uh, like 10 times. I haven't gotten further than the rule three, I guess. I don't remember what the first two are. Uh, And what I'm trying to say is that probably it's very individual. It's like you said in the beginning of our conversation, like you buy one book and then it's just put it on the shelf for the next 10 years. And then you open it when you're 50 and think, silly me, why didn't I just read it when I was in school? It's like, I think you
0: know. that the, the, the 12 rules for life, another mm-hmm. aspect, another way to use discernment is, is this is like a real core thing. You judge a tree by its fruits. So, for example, you're reading the 12 rules of life. You're reading it. You're reading it. It's producing no fruit. You keep putting it down. You keep putting it down. So that method of discernment, you are you are wisely putting it down. That's not for you right now. Also, remember, there was the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by like Covey. I was teaching at a Catholic school when that came out, and the assistant principal, who was married to a lawyer, you know, anything that has to do with lawyers, kind of a buzzword for me, but she went ahead and bought all these copies of the Seven, the Habits of Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And we were all supposed to read it, and then we were in small group discussions. Then I was, like, furious. You know why? I was furious because they deducted from our paycheck, you know, $10 for this book. (laughs) I didn't want to read the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. So back to your comment about, well, have I heard of Jordan Peterson? Maybe that's just not for you right now, like, Maybe this book, Sacrament of the Present Moment, is for you right now. Or maybe uh a short story by Hemingway. Yeah, like,
1: I like that short story we read, The Cat in the Ring. Somehow it spoke to me.
0: Yes. And so there was some fruit in that reading. You gave you something to think mm-hmm. about. You you felt maybe like you were the cat, or maybe you were the man, or maybe you were the woman. Like I noticed that when we read it. Well, sometimes I felt like the cat. Like, like it's always like raining. I'm just like, trying to get You out.
1: associated no, no, no. Pause a second. You associated yourself with the cat in your story, because that would have never happened to me. I thought if it was me, I would have said it myself with Joshua. Well, however the name of the husband was. Yeah. But the cat, I thought you'd be associating yourself with the woman. Uh, well, I did. But I'm it. saying
0: I also the woman, the woman connects with the cat to explore something about herself so the cat is like i mean i mean i i just know that she's standing there and then she sort of feels vulnerable she doesn't like her hair so short he's not really paying much attention you know she just wants to be at her own little home and have her table and her china and silverware and to be at home and they're on some like big adventure and she just kind of feels a little bit displaced, kind of like this cat who's just like, wants to get into some shelter. So I felt kind of like, I mean, I feel like a cat a lot, <sighs> cats are nocturnal. Well, but you feel mother. like a man, that's good. That's good. Let's well, go why is that, that.
1: Why is that that there is stigma against women who have lots of cats?
0: Well, there's a couple different things. Like, uh, I read a little article once. that said, are you a witch? Do you have a cat? Do you grow herbs? Do you do prayers and incantations? Do you have a cape? Do you have a wand? Do you have, a, like, all these things. <laughs> do you, like, you have a black pointed hat? Like, hmm. I suddenly realized I was a witch. No, <laughs> no. but But I'm saying that... Or like in Spanish, curandera is is like a, a magic person. So, you know, when you say... What was the original, what's the exact wording of your question?
1: Yeah, I thought, why is there a stigma against women who have lots of cats? Because if I'm a man, I have lots of cats, no one says... ...me. The uh, no, no like them... that. Uh-huh. Well, like,
0: yeah, you know, like we have Eve who handed Adam the apple, but before Eve, there was somebody else it was lilith and like the dark woman the the shadow woman the lady of the evening the whoever who works someone who works at a strip club or a, as an escort the dark woman is dangerous because a dark woman can lead you into temptation like if you think of the lord you know they burnt witches
1: at the stake in the middle ages but uh and on, Anton Chekhov, I read it a few days ago, I came across this Chekhov story. I think that was a translation from Spanish or Portuguese, I don't know. A very interesting one, I don't remember what title was, but uh, that was about how uh, one sailor married this dark woman, or dark brown woman, associated with which?
0: Yeah, and I think like uh, a woman in general. If you look at, like if you look at like the Starbucks logo was the like the mermaid, and then the mermaid the mermaids, uh, you know, in the Odyssey, they lure him off his his uh, you know journey to get back home. Like you know, generally the seductress generally has long hair and like cat eyes, like eye makeup with uh, eyeliner and like a plunging top or no top at all because like the mer- the mermaids are not wearing tops. So the idea of the woman who's a seductress is, is dangerous for a man. It's temptation. But, you know, like you said, temptation is all around us. And I think that when you... When you're in a relationship, first of all, there's some seduction. So you might want to call it dating or foreplay or like whatever you want to call it. Like you see somebody at a coffee shop or you see somebody at a party. like, wow, she's like really cute. And then she kind of looks at you like, I think you're really cute. And then you like wander over there and start talking to her and you have a drink. And before you know it, you're like you're married to this person who's like a witch. Like I know so many people, you know. (laughs) I mean, I got married to someone because I like the way he ate cake. Like, how how insane is that? Like, this guy loved the way the guy this guy eats cake. He's very passionate about life, and this guy would be a great person to be with. Like, wrong. Note to subscribers: Do not get married to someone based on how they eat cake. (laughs) I'm joking, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm, I'm not joking.
1: No, I'm trying to understand, to recollect. Is that the recollect? The essence of the Chekhov story about that young woman whose life falls into the hands of two very misguided men. First was your husband, and the second was some kind of a a priest uh, in Barcelona, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who was like the... No,
0: I remember one story you had... I remember you had read a story in Russian and, and on a different channel, and I just looked it up in English. And there was one story about this woman who somehow got married to this man, and the man was kind of serious and a good provider. and and she just got super excited about all the things that he could do, she could do he could do for her, and she would go to parties and she would go out with other people and then somehow she understood that he was sick and he and she would bring other people by to see her dying. Did she under, barely understood what he meant was that the same story
1: no i guess the the one i um i'm trying to re- recall now was uh, about some kind of fable i'm not sure if it was original in spanish or not but uh, about the fate of a woman who had the misfortune to cross uh, some monk in barcelona uh, in the middle ages in bygone days but she was particularly lovely woman uh, and it was uh, i guess it was evening and um he thought that she she aroused his uh, or deadly wrath because he thought she was a witch because he saw the dog or maybe a cat that uh, she thought it was her and uh Yeah, I think he was a misogynist. And he accused her of witchcraft. How did that make you feel? Because a Spanish Inquisition and stuff.
0: What do you think about that? that. I don't know why.
1: But he he wrote that in his...
0: uh, But see, he accuses her of witchcraft. It's like his fault that she... It's her fault that he's aroused. So that's called reaction formation. He doesn't accept that he's participating in this situation and so he says it's all her fault so that's called reaction formation you blame the other person like
1: My she's such
0: a witch, she's such a bitch this is why I have to go out and like find somebody else, like I have to go out to the bar, like this person's gonna I mean, be crazy, I'm gonna go find another person, like, I'm, I mean I you know if somebody makes me mad, I just but if you, th- if you think about this from de Cossade, if I'm acting out of anger, is that Like, anger is a natural emotion, but the action on it, going out, like, hours and hours and hours, just randomly drinking with different people and just being stupid, that's probably not. (laughs) No, no,
1: but let me explain to you my point again. The the point of this story, the punchline, uh, I'm trying my best, so uh, anyway, I'll do try my best so I think that uh, the monk who thought she was a witch uh, called upon his her husband and told him that he must bring her up for inquisition and husband said or thought no way I'm giving them my my wife so he hidden her on some kind of a ship Uh, but then again he was very religious man and he wanted to have this uh, what they called absolution from sins, yes. or something received, yes. right? Yes. And he thought, well, I I wanna, I don't want to give them my wife, but I also want to receive absolution from them, well, so what do I do? And so he was stupid, probably, the sailor, or I don't know what his profession was. He poisoned his poor, beautiful wife, wife received absolution, uh, from for the sins, and uh, he was forgiven. But, uh, yeah, that's what that what struck me most, because... Um,
0: well, yeah, th- that's, that is very and much... Like,
1: wrote it when he was 21. I'm not sure if he made it up himself, or maybe read it somewhere in Spain.
0: Well, probably what he did is he probably took that idea, because like in the the story of Romeo and Juliet, as told by William Shakespeare, this this archetype of feuding families. And it it later became a musical West side story the the feuding families where the princess of one falls in love with the young man from another. And then there, when they try to get together, there's, you know, there's a monk in, in Romeo and Juliet, Shakespeare's version. Um, you know, there's a monk who tells them to come to this chapel and, uh, Up some kind of potion, and Juliet takes the potion and it just puts her to sleep, but it's not it's not gonna kill her. Then Romeo runs to the chapel or the little garden gazebo or something and sees his beautiful Juliet laying there as if she's dead, and he thinks, Well, you know, if she's dead, I don't want to live. And then he gets a dagger, and, like stabs himself. Then Juliet wakes up like, w- well, where's Romeo? Like, yeah, you know, it's kind of it's, it's kind of in there. D- do you remember Romeo and Juliet? Well, my
1: history is a little hazy, but yeah, of course I'm acquainted with this, like a historical poem by William Shakespeare, right? See, yeah, I'm smart play, too. It's a play. But play. yeah, I think what what struck me more most was at. He, he was Romeo was eight. Miss Juliet was even younger.
0: The uh, call is is like breaking up. What was the last sentence yeah. you said?
1: No, I I I um. I'm not sure if the recording will uh, end up well, but yeah, the call breaks up now and then. I I told you that uh, what surprised me was that Romeo was like age thirteen or maybe twelve, like very very young, and Juliet was or, even younger.
0: Yeah, I think they were like they the the the. Uh, I think they were like you know like no more than fourteen or fifteen. But but yeah, you exactly. know it was it, so it was well, Tybalt. You know Tybalt is wounded and Tybalt comes to defense of Romeo and there's a street fight. And and I know that wealthy families, children were promised to each other. Like, you know, parents want, especially, in, you know, this is set in Italy, these wealthy families, they need to find a suitable husband or wife that's going to preserve the land and the money so the marriage the marriages were were kind of it was it was a habit for people to start looking at girls and boys like well she looks pretty good like at 12 let's see what she looks like at 15 or like well that guy can fight sword fight and he looks great in tights and he's from my like club you know he's from the capulet family like you know exactly so
1: because because marriage was considered a the business transaction between two families
0: Knowledge yeah, so the, love. I, well, yeah. The, well, the other thing is, yeah, is. How does that make you wrote. feel? Well, I know that Tina Turner, who recently passed away, has a famous song that it's just a secondary emotion. That the primary emotion is is lust, and then love is a secondary emotion. But I don't know, you know, I think that parents want their children to marry well. So I remember advising my daughters, I don't even want to talk about any boy at all until you get some letters behind your name. Like, don't talk to me about wanting to become MRS, married. I want to see some letters behind your name, like a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, go to law school, go to medical school. I didn't specifically tell them where to go, but I said that young love is ridiculous.
1: Hey, I I found this, uh... sorry to interrupt. I found this uh, Chekhov story on Amazon website. It's called uh, Sinner from Toledo.
0: Toledo.
1: uh, Toledo is a town in Spain, I think, or in Portugal. I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Apparently someone translated it and the Kindle price is zero. It's it's British pound, I guess. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a UK site. Yeah, it's probably amazon.co.uk. I'm not sure if they sell it at Amazon.com or U.S. But
0: well, we can. Anyway, I think we they, can find also it, and seen we can, it from well, I think we can find it. I think we can make another episode on that one too. I love all the Chekhov short stories, Hemingway short stories. Uh,
1: really? Uh, who
0: was the other guy? Yeah, I'll, I'll,
1: mm-hmm. I'll try to. Uh, I'll um. I'll look up the English translation.
0: Uh, the Center from I'm Toledo. I'm sure I yeah. have.
1: Yeah, I guess I. I have. Uh, all check story translated back in my home, in my computer. And I'm sure this one should be there, too. And if I find it, I'll, I'll forward that one to your no, email sounds... or, or, or to yeah. your. Yeah, and we'll discuss this. That would yeah, be great. Because if you spoke to me, maybe that will fall close to your heart as well.
0: Yes, and, and or, you know, uh, forward it to Tony Carnes along with money. How is it
1: doing, by the way?
0: Tony Carnes is doing great. I love his artwork. He's doing a lot of sketches that start off with uh the general shape of the body, then he does cross hatching, and then he puts in color. He he's he's very patient. He's trained in art history and in painting. And he
1: How come we don't I mean, invite him to our conversation? Maybe you decide for ten minutes. Maybe he'll be no, able we, to
0: open up. Well, two or three two or three um I don't know. Two months ago, I asked him. He says just not in a good space because you know okay. uh, he had some deaths no, in his family right. and stuff. But that's I'm that's saying yeah. he's doing more drawing and painting and stuff now. I really think I think he'd be I think he'd be open to that. And also, you know, we we have uh, uh, Mark Stevens who is, has become semi-famous uh, train guy who who is now also available for <laughs> interviewing. <laughs> he has announced. So no, yeah, I, th- I think people are like their creativity comes and goes like like sometimes i love writing poems and like and i'm writing a lot or like you said you tinker around with music every now and then you you're kind of working on a couple little songs or yeah i I just think that creativity is part of part of i mean i think it's god's will (laughs) i would say that writing is is a gift that i have and that i always like to do that and i think you have said that in the past just playing the piano mandatory was never any fun but you might like to you know buy a drum or a you know bongos or something so yeah yeah i'm gonna i will talk to mr Carnes and see see what he says that i think that'd be a great idea
1: well you know our conversations what we call quote unquote therapy often go well very well For I'm feeling upset therapy. after therapy. Has that ever happened to you?
0: You become what?
1: Upset, for not. Oh yeah,
0: reason. yes, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I w- I was at a, a session with a uh, someone here in Dallas, and it was a rainstorm, and and I just kept thinking like, like when you're in therapy, someone's listening, someone's pausing man- meaningful ways. You know, they're they're helping you to bring up things you might want to work on. And then when the therapy session is over, like I just walked out into the city again, and it was like, I'm alone, I'm so so exactly. abandoned.
1: Exactly, because like, imagine that you have your favorite therapist, and you think, wow, I have a relationship, again, quote, unquote. But generally speaking, most therapists won't be able to have a relationship with you when the therapy ends. Yeah. Because all relationships come to an end, and with therapists specifically. And And if they mean a lot to us, that really hurts.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is that if they leave the parish and go someplace else, also... The therapist had if 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 they're a therapist on staff, they're dealing with hundreds, hundreds of people. If you're like mm-hmm. you're with someone, you think like you're like I feel so special when I'm with you, and then the person says, mm-hmm. "I make everyone feel special."
1: Yeah, that hurts. That really <laughs> no, hurts. Th- no,
0: no, it does. It really does because I had a very good conversation with this therapist, and it's happened before in Houston when I I had a a a a, a therapist. Who was on staff at a parish, and I was kind of going through some some family divorce stuff and trying to deal with a bunch of family stuff, and I just remember like, you know, I would I would probably like to like get a sleeping bag and just sleep in the the the, the waiting room, and then when she comes into her office the next morning, there I would be. But I kept thinking like, no, that's crazy, but you know, the challenge of therapy is to take it into the world and do it like do something with it like if we're learning about god's will and if we're learning about maybe reading this checkoff story like there is always a letdown like when you hang up the phone or when the sit se- when the session's over and we've said this before yeah. that a traditional therapy session is 55 minutes so if you're in a if you're in a more formal therapy session where you're paying when the, ther- the therapist, like you're you're getting ready to tell some other really deep, meaningful thing. I mean, you don't realize that they've got a clock right behind your head on the wall. It's like, well, thanks for sharing. I think we're ready to wrap this up.
1: <laughs> yeah. And now I go say, and sit in the dark and have some Irish whiskey with That me. sounds
0: great. That sounds yeah. good. I want to go to the store and buy some uh, uh, ice cream so that I can put. But, uh, put whiskey on it. That sounds good. Or maybe I'll yeah, buy can, a banana. Can you ring
1: that bell? You I can mean... ring the
0: bell. And I believe yeah. that God yeah. is calling me to ring the bell.
1: God's will. Amen, brother.